Hello and welcome. I'm Trumpet Man, and you're listening to the 40 Card College Podcast, a podcast about advancing your limited game, whether you're a first-time drafter or trophy master. So this week on 40 Card College, um, a lot of videos coming your way. Uh, over the weekend was the arena open for Brothers War. Uh, there was day one sealed. There were day two drafts. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to actually make it to day two as well. So uh, those drafts are up as well. Um, but it actually ties in nicely to what we're going to be talking about today on our main topic. So we do have a guest today. I'm going to be introducing them in just a minute. Um, but the main topic is going to be all about uh, this person's day two draft. We're going to go through it and everything that uh, happened there. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, and then sort of, I'm not going to go through mine because they're all going to be on those videos that you can check out on the YouTube and website. Um, speaking of the website, uh, there is a Patreon as well. So if you're interested in uh, getting any added perks, anything like that, you can check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash 40 card college. All the main resources for 40 card college are free, including this podcast, the website articles, videos, and the discord. However, if you have found value here and you want to give back or get access to some bonus perks, check out the Patreon. There's bonuses like secret channels and the discord where I review draft logs all the way up to live coaching sessions. Thanks to all the patrons who already support this project. I really appreciate your support. Today, we do have a guest. We have Dan L from the Discord, free Discord even, joining us here. And he's going to tell us everything about his draft on day two. But before we get into things, Dan, can you tell us a little bit about just how you got into magic, how long you've been playing, and just tell us what your favorite draft format is of all time, if you can... If you're okay with that. Sure. I think I started playing Magic in like 1994 when I was a tiny little kid. And I just went to my friend's house and he had some Magic cards and we started playing. And I've played off and on ever since, taking like multiple year breaks here and there. My favorite draft format of all time, I think that uh, Zendikar Rising was a, a lot of fun for me. The format was pretty interesting and it had a lot of miniature archetypes within the color pairs and i i thought it was a lot of fun for a long time so what what's like one thing that you looked for that you really like were hoping to do in zendikar rising like because you're saying there's a lot of nuances uh yes blue was the best color for me by far in that set and in particular wizards were a lot of fun so uh, I don't know how much you remember about this set, but Relic Amulet, uh, whenever you play an instant or a sorcery, you would get a counter on it. and You could pay two and remove the counters to deal damage equal to the number of counters to anything that you wanted. That was an absurd card in that format. Chilling Trap, it was a minus two, minus O for a single blue mana instant speed. And if you control the wizard, you also drew a card. That was a really, really awesome card, it turned out, because Wizards were so well-supported. And the, like, I can't remember, MDFCs is the term that uh, were used for those. Yeah, the double face cards, the lands, basically. Yeah, they made the format really, really interesting. There were a lot of interesting choices regarding, like, power level versus synergy. And it made the format a lot of fun for a long time, I think. 
Yeah, that's awesome. It's great to hear. You're asking how much I remember from it. I actually remember nothing of it because <laughs> I actually was taking a little bit of break during that time. So hopefully it comes back on Arena and I can check it out then. But I'm going to try to be looking out for Wizards if that's the case. And it sounds like you do have some strategies maybe when you're drafting. So I'm curious. I know Brothers War, it's only like two weeks old at this point. But for our question here this week, if you're sitting down to a Brothers War draft, are there like any certain strategies that you hope to end up in by the end of the draft? That's a really good question. I think that at this point in the format, I don't really know as much about it as the things that I was talking about with Zendikar Rising. The examples that they gave in Zendikar Rising, like everybody had figured out all the good cards. And mm-hmm. then we needed to figure out what to do to supplement the good cards and build actual archetypes. For Brothers War right now, I feel like people are, including me, are still trying to figure out what the good cards are. Right. Um, and it's the strategies are kind of a little bit of a mess at this point, and they're not fine-tuned. So my strategy going into any draft is to like err on the side of being proactive. Mm-hmm. Um and go with any really powerful cards that I open and hope makes sense. It's kind of a great default strategy. I'm kind of in the same camp with you right now, and it's going to be interesting to see if we can get some of those more reactive strategies once everything kind of settles here in a couple of weeks. So it's kind of yeah, it's definitely kind of the wild west right now in Brothers War. So what we're gonna do? We're gonna go through your entire draft on last week's podcast. I did mention I did a whole long segment about sort of overdrafted and underdrafted comms and uncommons. But I talked about the most overdrafted, like rares mostly. And you have to scroll way down to see the overdrafted commons and uncommons. I thought it'd be really interesting just briefly, also because you're here, if we would just look maybe at those top 10 um, overdrafted commons and uncommons, because I think it was like some of these, I've fallen into the traps too of these cards. I'm curious if, if you've experienced any of the same. So Number 10, the most overdrafted common or uncommon is actually Thopter Architect. It's that uh, three and a white for that two, three. Uncommon. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were saying common. Sorry. Uncommon. Well, common slash uncommons, but I okay. think, honestly, I think it's all just uncommons because, mm-hmm. so if you think about overdrafted cards, it's cards that are picked really highly, but don't necessarily have the win percent to back it up. Yep. So it makes sense that usually we're going to see like mythics, rares and uncommons because people see them less often. So they have less experience and then they start to like see, oh, okay, I'm just going to go for this card because it seems great and it's not actually that great. So you have to go way, way down to actually see commons being overdrafted because people figure them out more quickly. But that being said, I guess all of these 10 actually are are uncommons. And so, yeah, number 10, Thopter Architect, it's the three and a white, two, three and white. And when an artifact comes into play, you can give something flying. Uh, this is a card that it kind of seems like it's powerful, but uh, just doesn't really have the I guess stats to back it up. Have you played that card at all? Yeah, I think that it's pretty narrow. Um, the two three body is pretty bad for four mana, and mm-hmm. you really need to work hard for it to actually work out well. Usually, it just sits around and does nothing because in the white decks, it kind of is the top of your curve anyway. You have to get your flying triggers mostly off of your top decks. So I think that you could probably get a lot out of it if you built your deck specifically around it. But in the like the base use case, I don't think it's very good. Yeah, I think I was kind of thinking about like the, the only home I'd be happy with that card, maybe green white, because it is kind of like that, like build up a slower board and eventually fly some big creatures with the artifacts. 
But it's like, yeah, the white red decks are super low to the ground, so they're probably not interested. The white black decks, it's kind of, they kind of got that like CMC3 theme. So like it doesn't really fit any of that. Not even necessarily that many artifacts. White blue is more like soldiers. I don't know. Um, yeah, I agree with you. On the just on Thopter Architect really quickly, uh-huh. I think green white is probably the best home for it by far because you just want to build up your board a lot. And like Great Desert Prospector is a card that you probably actively want in that deck. Yeah, that's and a nice that, combo. Yeah, I think that actually works really well together. And it, especially if you have the Yoshin Dissident or mm-hmm. whatever the green white uncommon is, I think that you really need to work hard for it to work, though. And in the main case, like white red, things like that, it's just not going to be very good. Yeah, so Great Desert Prospector, that's that five mana three two that makes all the power stones based on number of creatures. So you just you have that with the Thopter Architect, you just fly your whole team. So yeah. I mean, yeah, that's something to look out for. So you got a good point there. Number nine was Battlefield Butcher. Um, this is the card I, I was pretty high on when I was looking through the set reviews. So this is the two and a black one four that you can pay five, tap it, your opponent loses two life, but that costs less for every single creature in your graveyard. I was thinking like, yeah, this is, it just kind of like sits there, eventually cruise value, and like your opponent can't just take two every single turn. But it turns out it just takes, I guess, too long to get online, doesn't really mesh with how aggressive the format is. I'm honestly surprised that it actually has pretty low stats. I think it's like 52 or 53% win rate, which is pretty bad for 17 land users. So yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely overdraft this card. So it makes sense that I'm going to be guilty of some of these. I got to stop picking it so highly, I guess. Yeah, I think that this one, it's a little confusing. I think that the 1-4 body is actually surprisingly good because Scrapwork Cohort is, I would probably guess, the best common in the set, and it matches mm-hmm. up well against that. And there are a lot of X1s. I mean, I think it's a solid card. I guess I don't know exactly how highly people are picking it, but in the right deck, I think it can be a really good card. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's a bad card, I would say. It's just like people are picking it. Overdrafting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Overdrafting them. Like all these cards actually could still be fine. And honestly, like you can still put them in your deck. But it a, a lot of times like people are going to be hooking like second, third, fourth pick when they probably shouldn't be. It needs the right home. Exactly. This next one's interesting, actually. So number eight, and it's fitting that it's eight, is uh, Suchi Cave Guard, which is the eight mana eight eight. So coming in at eight is is pretty fantastic. <laughs> it's the Vigilance Ward four, and when it dies, you can make it makes eight mana. I think this card is like it is pretty powerful because eight eight is just huge. But I think it's just product of its own like environment, sort of as being overdrafted. Because when the whole format is a bunch of these like prototype cards, like paying actual eight mana for this card, I think it, it loses a lot of its value that it might gain in a different format, you know? If it had trample, it'd be pretty good. But uh, you can true. just keep blocking it with the 1-1 soldier tokens as long as you want. Yeah, definitely. Um, I learned the hard way that Cityscape Leveler had trampler, uh, that that mythic rare. And I think because I thought, Su- you know, Suchi Cave Guard doesn't have trample. So when I took a bunch of damage from the leveler, that was pretty brutal the other day. Well, leveler is brutal to begin with. Yeah, I was not winning. <laughs> I was not remotely winning that game, regardless of the fact. But I blocked with a one-one. I was like, ah, eh, you know, I might as well chump right now. <laughs> Just trampled for eight. So that was brutal. Okay, the next card, number seven, is Flaji Dragon Engine. So this was the eight mana five-five flyer, but you could prototype it for two and a red. And if in that case it's a one-three, and in either mode you can pay two mana to give it plus one plus oh until end of turn so this is a card that i kind of like keep going back and forth on because every time actually it's in play it's like 
kind of impressive, but it's never like so impressive that you're like, wow, they're really doing it when this card's down. So and it just dies to like basically every removal spell. But but at the end of this, like your opponent can't ignore an eight mana five five flyer that has, you know, fire breathing as well. So I've kind of been both unimpressed and impressed with this card. Like, what do you think about it? I think that it's seven mana. It'd be be pretty good. I've only played against it. I don't think I've ever played with it. And the last draft that I was in, someone played it as a blocker against a bunch of my white flyers. Mm -hmm. And I could either, my board was big enough that I could either just swing through or use a removal spell to get rid of it. And it wasn't a big hindrance. Right. And I think the two in a red mode, like a one, three flyer at that stage in the game just isn't actually like that good because we're you're not going to be using a bunch of mana on it right yeah so really you're trying to get it to that eight mana mode and at that point like you're saying that you know people can go around it kind of ignore it in a way it feels like a platinum angel that doesn't have that crazy line of text on it so you know probably better um, than the cave guard though agreed agreed number six we already kind of mentioned it the great desert prospector the the five mana three two and white that makes all the power stones for your creatures still kind of overdrafted because it has such a powerful i think ability like people read that and they're like oh my god i'm gonna get seven power stones off this it's gonna be amazing but i guess turns out white's just not really about that and like you're saying i think maybe this is really a secret green white gold card yeah that's what that's what i would guess i think you really want to play a big game and you don't want to make trades with your creatures i think that the white decks are generally all about attacking and when you attack you're gonna get your board pretty small because people are going to want to block and not die. You really have to work, I think, to get this going because it's just a 3-2, I think, for 5 mana if you don't get Power Stones out of it, and that is pretty horrible. Yep, makes sense. (laughs) Rounding out our top 5 here for the overdrafted uncommons. Again, another one I've fallen victim to. It's uh, Urza, Power Stone Prodigy. So that's the 2 and a blue for that 1-3 Vigilance, the looter. And then when you do discard an artifact card, it makes a tap power stone. It reads really strongly, but it turns out if you don't have like just a ton of artifacts in your deck, then it's kind of difficult to actually be wanting to discard artifacts. Obviously, it's a really good combo with Clay Revenant because then you can just keep bringing it back and keep making power stones. And more importantly, basically, you're you're turning your Clay Revenant into new cards because you're looting into new cards and discarding the same thing over and over. But that's like super expensive. I do think that maybe as the format does slow down, if that happens, like Urza will get a lot better. And it also triggers all of your draw two themes in blue and black. So it's like it it, it does have a lot of use cases. But I think also people are like, oh, my gosh, it's the set is the Brothers War. This is Urza. It's got to be good. And it reads really strongly. And it sometimes just doesn't actually do that much. So I think um, maybe it's more niche case, but still maybe powerful. Yeah, it looks like it's just drafted really highly. The card that's right next to it on 17 lands is Junkyard Genius, which is a much, much better card. Right. I've only played with Urza Power Stone Prodigy once, and that was in large part because I had a Black Blade Reforged in my deck. Ooh, that and that's good. <laughs> yeah, so uh, because of the Legends energy, I would really love to get those two together. So I it, did wonder why Urza had Vigilance, so I guess that's the answer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you can actually attack and block. Okay, that's cool. Okay, this next card I love. It's Hulking Metamorph. It's the 9 mana 7-7, and it has prototype for 2 blue-blue. When it comes into play, you can clone an artifact or creature, and Hulking Metamorph becomes that artifact or creature, except 
that its power is equal to its stated power. So it's either a nine mana seven seven with uh, all the text of the other card, or it's a four mana three three with all the text of the other cards. I just think I think this card is probably people taking it and playing it and not actually building around it because if you have a clone that doesn't clone your opponent's stuff, it loses a lot of its power. But I think Hulking Metamorph, it's really not hard to make this card an easy two for one. You just have to make sure that you're building it, like putting in your deck in a way that it actually combos with those cards. Because it's pretty simple to just, you know, copy a Chromatic Star or copy an Elsewhere Flask and suddenly you're getting your card back on the Hulking Metamorph itself. And then I think like you can go like way over the top with it too. Oh, that never even occurred to me. I've played with this once or twice and I didn't realize I could get... um my elsewhere flask into a three, three cantrip. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I think people are like not realizing the full power of the metamorph. Cause at, when, on the first read of it, you think it only copies creatures because that's what clones do. Yeah. <laughs> that never occurred to me, but yeah, it can definitely do some cool combos. And then, and then at that point, I think it's actively good. Of course it can be silly and you can be copying like your siege veterans or stupid rares too in this set. So anytime you do that, then it goes over the top, but I would say like, I think it's probably it's overdrafted in the sense that it's not being utilized to its full full potential. I think eventually maybe it might come off the list if people start playing it a little bit, like com- comboing with it more. Yeah, the next cards uh, in terms of uh, draft order are Recruitment Officer, Skyfisher F- Spider, and Gurgling Anointer. Those are all really good cards. So this is this is drafting in that that's taken in that neighborhood. I don't think that's appropriate. But have you considered playing Skyfisher Spider and then copying it with Hulking Metamorph? Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so anyways, number three, speaking of overdrafted cards, Swift Foot Boots. That's a hard one to say. Um, so this is that retro artifact, two mana, one to equip, and it gives the creature haste and hex proof. Definitely you feel like pretty cool and powerful when you're bootsing up your creatures and hitting with them and having hexproof and feeling all warm and fuzzy and safe, but it turns out you're still just down a card a lot. So you have to be careful when playing like equipment, making sure it does enough. And apparently this doesn't do enough. Have you played any Swift Boots? I have not. I think that I would play it if I had a Platinum Angel and probably not otherwise. Yeah, I, I, I somehow I've drafted Platinum Angel three times already. I guess I've just opened that card a lot. But two of the times I did have Swift of Boots and I played it, but I, I would not recommend it in any other circumstance. Number two, another card I'm guilty of is Foundry Inspector. This is the three mana artifact creature. It's a three two and it makes all your artifacts cost one less. Reed's pretty strong because you're like, wow, all my artifacts are going to be cheaper. I'm going to curve out. I'm going to feel great. But I think just paying three mana for a three two is like pretty understated unless you get a ton of discounts. And I think part of the problem with this card is that it exists in a format with Power Stones. So a lot of the times, instead of playing Foundry Inspector, you could play like a common that does something a little bit better than a 3-2 and just comes with a Power Stone anyways. In fact, this set literally has a common that is a 3-2 and comes with a Power Stone. And I think that card, like in a lot of cases, is just going to be better than Foundry Inspector because if it dies, you can trade it off. You still have the Power Stone. But uh, I think people just see this and, and think about all the like combo potential of just curving out with all the artifacts. But I think most decks, you know, have some artifacts, but not actually that many. And so then the inspector does not actually perform very well there. Yeah, I've not played with this card, but it, it just looks pretty bad. And uh, like you said, I think it's Argothian Opportunist. Yeah. 
gives you the Power Stone Forever, which you can use at your leisure for all kinds of things that are better in a lot of ways than making your spells cost one less. Unless you're some sort of combo deck. Yeah, I, I definitely have fallen victim to like picking Foundry Inspector, I think like third or fourth, thinking like I was going to go off with it. So I can understand why people would be drawn to it, but uh, it's just, I think just not good enough. Yeah. Generally, there's going to be something better. And this is taken uh, ahead of Overwhelming Remorse, which is really good. <laughs> that, don't do that. Don't do it. <laughs> the number one most overdrafted uncommon is Burnished Heart, which is the three mana two two. You can pay three and sacrifice it to go get two basic lands and put them onto the battlefield tapped. I think this card used to be good. And I think if a format is slow enough and encourages splashing enough, then Burnished Heart is good. I think this format kind of is neither of those things. So it could maybe be good eventually, like in slow, like green-black decks looking to splash. I could see it, maybe. But apparently people will take this card like first, second, third. And I think I did that once too. And uh, I would not recommend it. This card is just like super slow. Yeah, I, I've not played with this one either. It looks pretty bad unless you really need a splashing. You can't get it elsewhere. Uh, one of the surprising things has been how easy it's been to splash, I think. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of other low opportunity cost ways, it seems like. Yeah, and I think it's kind of interesting, actually, the Burnished Heart, because you talk about easy to splash in this format, and I agree, but it's kind of like... This incidental splashing, especially with all the unearth creatures, you kind of mm. want to have your splash color like at some point in the game. And you don't really care if it only happens like once or twice, because oftentimes like you're playing a scrapwork cohort in red black and, you know, you want to splash the white unearth on it. But if you it, like if you only have an elsewhere flask and a chromatic star and you don't have any planes in your deck, like that's still probably enough. So like Burnished Heart enabling like these super deep and wide splashes is not really what the format's about unless you have a kind of unique deck. Because I, I rarely have, I find like true three color decks. Usually it's just like incidental splashing here or there. Would you agree? I think that I only have like one real three color deck that I can think of. And that was off the deep end to uh, do an infinite combo. <laughs> so I don't think that that's really the, the case that we're thinking about. If you're going deep, then definitely pick up Burnished Heart where you can. But it's drafted really highly too, and uh, you're going to have to fight hard for it. So if you're if you're building the Door to Nothingness deck, maybe. But <laughs> Well, definitely. If you have Door to Nothingness, I would definitely take this very this, this, That might be a, a week six or seven you know, fever dream. So <laughs> I encourage it if you want to do that for the fun and maybe not the win percentage. But uh well, there you go. And Door to Nothingness is taken way later than uh, Burnished Heart. So if you like, if you open Door and I guess that's not possible, but hypothetically, if you could open Burnished Heart and Door to Nothingness on on Moda, you could, I guess. Uh, you take the heart first, and then you wield the door. Yeah, I guess uh, you'd have to open the door and then see the heart like second or third, right? No, on if it's on Moda, you could do a foil. I think. Oh, that, oh, okay. I I'm guessing you could do a foil retro and a regular retro. Probably. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> and if not, I think I think you might still be able to yeah get the door on arena and even without foils you could maybe do that but i don't know why we're still talking about this <laughs> we're playing fun drafts on to do things what we're going to do now is we're going to move over to um your actual day two draft the first draft you did and i think it's a, a really great one to talk about just like your thought process what you're going through the draft so if you're okay with it we're going to dive right in the way i'm going to do this is i'm going to just highlight what i think maybe the like 
key commons are, if there's any key uncommons, and then, you know, rares in the pack. That way we're talking about everything, but we're just going to briefly touch on like what the cards are. I know it's still early in the format, so we'll do our best to balance saying what all the cards are, but also actually talking about the picks too. So let's jump right in. And so your pick one, pack one, the cards you saw, there's Scrapwork Cohort. That's that four mana three one with Unearth and brings a buddy. You were saying you think this might be the best common in the set. So that's definitely interesting to see here. Um, there's Epic Confrontation, which is the, the fight spell for one in a green. There's that Ergothian Opportunist we talked about, the 3-2 that makes a Power Stone. Airlift Chaplain, the 2 and a white 1-1 one, one flyer that mills and you can get a creature or planes. Not really any notable uncommons, I don't think. And then your rare is Transmogrant's Crown, which is 2 mana for the equipment. Equipped creature gets plus 2 plus 0. Oh. When it dies, you draw a card and you can equip for a 2 or black. Are there any other cards in the pack that you would have noted? So I think the uncommon Yoshin Frontliner is pretty solid. I'm happy to include that in basically any white deck that I play. And Ambush Paratrooper is pretty good. Not on the same level as the other cards, but the main... And there's a Disenchant as well. So just looking at the pack overall, there are five solid white cards. I think that... On power level, Transmorgant Crown is the best card by maybe a little bit. I haven't actually played with it. I've only played against it, and it's really annoying. Mm -hmm. You could probably make an argument that Cohort is better. And if you want to pursue that kind of strategy, maybe you could justify taking it. But given that there are five really solid white cards in this pack, I I would err on the side of the crown. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I think you're right. I think Transmogonist Crown, I think, is just the strongest card, but maybe it's close. So it makes this pick kind of tough. I used to be in the camp that, like, the more cards of a color, like, that were in a pack, I'd almost want to, like, avoid it. But I'm, I've am i sort of changed my tune recently. I almost want to pick it because then I might wheel something from that pack, and I worry less about, like, other people getting into the deck because then it, whoever, like, isn't in the right spot is just going to get pushed off naturally during the draft but i don't know it's like a definitely uh -huh. like an interesting you know theory this way or, or that way so if there weren't a comparable card to the crown in the pack then i would have taken the cohort and not worried too much about it but uh given that there was a similar power level card like the tiebreaker for me was the crown yeah i think that makes sense and i think it is like slightly stronger anyway so i think for everything you're saying um it does work out pretty nicely unfortunately no well i guess there's a clay revenant that maybe you'll wheel in a black deck and one more thing, the Penrigon Strongbull is pretty good, and that's the only red card, so I had my eye on that as well. Got it, got it. Okay, cool. So moving into pack two, some notable commons is a Stern Lesson, so that's the two blue draw spell and makes a power stone. There's um, Airlift Chaplain, another one of those. There's at the uncommons, I don't know if it's notable, there's the Red Mishra uncommon, the Rummager. The rare in the pack is Hall of Targon. It's the Power Stone making land that isn't great, but I guess you could take it. So talk to me about this pack. So this pack is pretty bad. I would say the the Hall, I think, is pretty slow and probably not very good. I've never played with it or against it. Stern Lesson, I think, is really, it's really solid, and I'm happy to play with it. The Chaplain is really solid, too. And the Whirling Strike is a solid uh, trick plus two, plus oh, trample, and first strike. But I think that Stern Lesson is just the best card in the pack. 
Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I was almost going to say like Airlift Chaplain plays well with the crown because it wears the crown well, but Stern Lesson gives you mana for the crown. So I could see like either way being a great pick. Yeah. And you can have, there are a lot of like combat courier and other things like that in blue are happy to wear the crown. You can get some flyers. And uh, if you're lucky enough to get like the Evangel of Synthesis or things like that, then it's it's just awesome. Good point for sure. Okay, moving into your third pick here, there's a Scrapwork Mutt. I do love that card. The two-mana rummaging unearthed dog. There's Excavation Explosion, the two red, deal three, make a Power Stone. There's Emergency Weld, if we're looking at black cards, the little mini Gravedigger that makes a 1-1 for one and a black. There's that Falaji Dragon Engine we talked about earlier, the eight-mana 5-5 Flyer that's over overrated. And Sculpting Steel, which is the retro artifact that comes in and can be a copy of any artifact so here this looks like a pretty clear pick but it looks like you've gone with excavation explosion is it just like the best card in the pack so yeah i think that uh explosion is the best card in the pack i would say that mutt is the second best card in the pack by a little bit but i just went with power here given that there wasn't any like real synergy to drive at i think emergency weld is pretty mediocre and sculpting steel you have to work hard to make it work well sort of like um the hulking metamorph that we were talking about yeah uh, and even more like fringe right so yeah i mean i might be wrong on sculpting steel maybe it's better than i think i think you're about right i think it's a playable but it's something i like i wouldn't be happy to third pick that card i don't think excavation explosion is really good I mean, you could make the argument that Mutt is a better pick here, I think, given the given that there's more flexibility, but I want power. And I, I think this is a good point about like in early in your drafts, like you don't know where you're going to end up. But someone passing you an excavation explosion sort of saying like, hey, I haven't picked that card and it's a very powerful card. So like when you're not sure where you're going to end up, you want to pick up the powerful cards early because if people keep passing you that, that suddenly that becomes your color, right? So you don't want to just pass powerful cards because you don't know where you are. You want to take that as a sign of like, hey, maybe I want to get into that deck. So I love that pick over the scrapbook here. So I would have done the same. I think, you know, definitely a good pick. And I think that like people all agree that Excavation Explosion is a really good card. I think that people don't think Mutt is on the same level. Mm-hmm. So I think that it is a, a really good signal. And there's a possibility in the first days of the draft format, I think that Mutt would have wheeled potentially, but uh, that's not likely anymore. Right, yeah, Mutt's like, Mutt, a lot of people know like Scrapwork Mutt's really good, but I don't think people like windmill slamming it like first pick like they would maybe like an excavation explosion. Yeah. So, and and I think that's true in general. Like when you see like premium removal, and people are passing that, it's sort of saying like, hey, I'm passing up on this. Like I passed on the opportunity to take this card because people value those cards like really, really highly, um, even when like the win percentage isn't necessarily like quite as good. So like if you, for example, if you see like a prison arrest, I'm picking that one because like in terms of removal, I think it's a little bit of on the weaker side compared to some of the premium removal, but it's still like a card that people like super, super want to take. So it's like, oh, maybe actually white is open. I might want to, jump in on this it's kind of interesting because when you see it you might want to jump in on it even though it might not be it's overrated i don't know yeah i don't really play that card very much but uh (laughs) yeah i don't think it's actually like that insane or anything i feel like i value it lower than most other people like 
the chaplain and cards like that, I would happily take instead. But that's a, that's a different mm -hmm. topic, I guess. Yeah. So so going into pick four, so we have a stern lesson, an excavation explosion, and the transmogrant's crown. So you see, it looks like an elite shell. So the three red red removal spell. You see a Penragon strong bull. You mentioned maybe you like that card earlier. Two three for two and a red that can sack artifacts. I'm looking at the rest of the pack. The other common I'm noting is um, maybe like Boulder Branch Golem, the seven mana six five that gains life uh, and prototypes for three and a green. And then there's the another uncommon Mishra. So that's also in the pack. So are you just deciding like between the red cards here because you just took Excavation Explosion or is there anything else you're like maybe interested in? Yeah, so on power level, I think that the two best cards are Unleash Shell and the Strong Bull. And... I mean, Boulder Branch is pretty good, but you definitely want to be green to play it. And it's not, I don't think it's any better than the other two cards that I mentioned. So I, I had a hard time with this pick. I decided to be more proactive and take the Strong Bull. I think that Unleashed Shell is a, it's a fine card and I'm ha usually pretty happy to play it. But I also already have Artifact Synergies uh, whether I play red with blue or black. So I thought that the strong bowl was the better pick. And if you look at the strong bowl, like it actually kind of combos with all three cards you've taken. Because mm -hmm. it's like a creature that wears your equipment. Its pump is enabled by power stones. The power stones, it sacrifices them. So like no matter where you end up, like it's going to be a pretty good card. And I think while removal is good, like you can overload on it. And especially if you're interested in playing your first pick with the equipment, like at some point you do have to start taking creatures. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so you end up with a strong bull there. And then you get kind of a whammy of a pack. This next pack has is just kind of loaded on some awesome cards. So there's a disfigure in this pack five. So you're like, okay, maybe the disfigure removal spell. Maybe I'm headed that way. Other common is, I guess, maybe like a goblin blast runner. I'm a big fan of that card, though the one two that Turns into three two if you've sacrificed something. Both uncommons. Uh, you were mentioning you like Yoshin Frontliner a decent amount. The one mana one one that pumps uh, things when you attack. The Soul Guide Lantern, which can just kind of like cycle and enable synergies. And then actually at uncommon, it's kind of interesting. Um, Hero of the Dunes is still in the pack. So the the white black um, uncommon signpost that brings back a creature and all your creatures with mana value three or less get plus one plus zero. Oh. So like this pack has like a lot of different ways you could take it, which is interesting. How do you break this down for me? So yeah, this pack is a lot better than some of the previous packs that I saw. Here are the Dunes. I think that it's a little too far out of my lane so far. It's a really good card. Yoshin Frontliner, I think, is pretty solid too, but it's it's not really in my lane. I think the real two options here are Disfigure and Blast Runner. I think that both are pretty strong. With Disfigure, you can have some decreasing marginal returns, like if you get too many of them. With Blast mm -hmm. Runner, I would play, this has never happened, but I would play like six if I could. So, and I want to be proactive. I already have one sack outlet. Uh, so I took the Blast Runner. Yeah, I love it. I think Blast Runner is like, I mean, people talk about it all the time, uh, but it's still the most underrated common. Like, I think that card's just awesome. If, if it was like a week ago, you might even be able to wheel it out of this pack. I think, you know, even pick five. I don't think we're at that point right now, but <laughs> yeah. So I, I like that pick and it, it really solidifies you in the red lane. So you're just hoping to just 
take a bunch of blast runners from here. It's interesting too, because like the disfigure versus and like the hero both being there, it's like maybe black is really open. So when you pass up on the black cards and take the goblin blast runner, it's sort of like planting your flag. It's a little scary to do that, but I think uh, it makes a lot of sense with what you have. I think that the crown is still playable, even if I don't have black as a main color. I could still very much be a blue deck with the stern lesson and whatever else comes. Like I can be a, I can very happily be a proactive blue deck with Mike Stone's animation and things like that, along with the aggressive red cards. Right, you still have a lot of options, and I mean, also the blast runner is really good with the crown, right? Even if you technically were in like mono red, you would still just play that mm-hmm. because eventually they're gonna have to deal with the blast runner, and then you just draw a card off your one drop. So that's pretty sweet. Okay, pick six. Looks like you have a few options. So we're pretty firmly like in the red camp we're hoping to be. So I guess your options mainly are between a Blitz Automaton, which is the seven mana six four haste prototypes for for two and a red to make a three two, or Bitter Reunion which is the one in red enchantment comes into play discard and draw two and you can pay one to sack it and give creatures haste until end of turn both these cards i guess you know cards that you maybe would be happy to put in your deck but it looks like maybe you're deciding between those two yeah i think that bitter reunion is a pretty good card it's impressed me quite a bit it allows you to play a a land more than you would want to in order to smooth out your draws and the the sacrifice trigger has been really good for me well it's been good for me and for my opponents, making the Blast Runner a 3-2 and getting a big creature in early, late. So I was really happy to take the Bitter Reunion. Like Blitz Automaton, I think, is pretty mediocre. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think it's interesting, too. So the Bitter Reunion, I sort of go back and forth on it. On like, I feel like sometimes it lets you cheat on lands a little bit, like play fewer lands if like your curve's low enough. Because then if you do draw, if you only draw two lands, you could discard a spell to it and then hopefully draw lands but then also going the other way you could play more lands because then you could discard the lands i've never quite figured out that balance but maybe it depends on the deck i i think that my inclination is to play more lands with it uh-huh. same with mutt but uh i'm i'm possibly wrong who knows it might be also it might be dependent on like how many unearthers you have too uh-huh. because like uh, hypothetically you had a deck with like eight mutts in it <laughs> obviously that's not going to happen but like you could just start chaining the mutts into each other and then you wouldn't want to play extra lands because you want to discard the mutts to your mutts uh-huh so i don't know um but i see what you're saying i think that makes sense i think if you miss land drops in this format it's a pretty good way to lose pretty quickly so you you don't really want to miss land drops okay going into pick seven looking for i guess maybe red cards maybe some blue cards looks like a pretty weak pack overall your options there's a rock hunter the three one reach for one and a red there's a kill zone acrobat maybe if you're going down the sacrifice road the two and a black three two that when it attacks you can sacrifice something to give it flying and i think that's about it there's painful quandary at rare the three ball black enchantment but i think that card's just not good so it looks like maybe you just picked up rock hunter we're happy with it yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I was happy with it. It's a pretty mediocre card. I mean, it is getting kind of late in the pack. I think Kills on Acrobat is fine, but it's easy to get overloaded on three drops, and it's kind of hard to get enough two drops. So mm-hmm. I think it was ultimately an easy. And then the next pick, if you weren't happy with a painful quandary the first time around, you could take a painful quandary the second time around. <laughs> um, but realistically... Um, there's a Mitra's Juggernaut in the pack and a Bitter Reunion. So you already talked about how you really like Bitter Reunion before, but there's also a Mitra's Juggernaut that you might be interested in at this point. So how do you decide between those two? 
I think that the first bitter union is pretty good and the second one is a good deal worse. You definitely don't want to waste too much of your uh, early turns playing that specifically. And Misha's Juggernaut, I think, is it's not great, but it's fine. And especially with, I already have two, three mana Power Stone makers. If you can get this out early, it can be a real problem for your opponent to deal with. And a late unearth is, it can be really threatening. And I'm pretty happy playing one or two Juggernauts in most decks. So that's what I took. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I agree with everything that you just said. Okay, so rounding out the pack. Now, pick nine, you were talking about how the only red card in the pack was Penragon Strongbull the first time around. And that actually wheels for you. So you it looks like you slammed that. You're probably feeling like really great at this point. Yeah, um, I was feeling really good about that. That I when I was I since it was at the open, I was paying more attention to normal, writing down picks and seeing what might come back. Uh, all the white cards were taken, and all the green cards were taken. So it was really great to get the strong bull back because this is a solid card that I want for my deck that is plausibly within the best eight cards in the pack anyway. Yeah, that's that's just got to feel great. So you're you're feeling pumped about that. It looks like the Blitz Automaton wheels out of the next pack. It looks like you didn't wheel like the Whirling Strike, but you still get a pretty good playable out of that. Then you get a race to the ground, probably for the sideboard. Or is that a card you're happy to main? I've I've never mained it in uh, this format. All right, so so a sideboard card after some artifact removal, getting a machine over matter pick twelve, and then. After that, just some cards you're not going to play. So going into pack two to review sort of the cards you have. So on one mana, you have the Goblin Blast Runner. On two mana, you have the Bitter Union, the Crown, a Rock Hunter. On three mana, you got two Strong Bulls and an Excavation Explosion, plus the Blitz Automaton and then Misha's Juggernaut. So you have all of those plus a Machine Over Matter maybe and maybe a Stern Lesson. So like a pretty good shaping up to be like maybe I'm on a red deck. And you have some blue cards you could play, maybe lean black, who knows. So in going into pack two, I guess let's not waste anyone's time. You open up Tyrant of Carriages, the stupid dragon. So (laughs) um, you take that. Yeah, that's the perfect card. Uh, This is uh, obviously, I'm I'm feeling great. It looks like red is super open and I open probably the best possible card. But that's pretty fantastic. Now, when you open that, are you like still looking to maybe like what cards might wheel? Yeah, definitely. So the Blast Runner and the Mutt are also in the pack. So uh, Mutt did not wheel expectedly in the previous pack. But Blast Runner, it's totally possible that it's going to wheel, especially given that the Strong Bowl went around the table with no one interested in it. So. I'm hoping to get one of those back. Yeah, exactly. And like, hopefully you're like thinking to yourself, like hopefully the red player that if there is another red player at the table, which there might not be, but if there is one, like hopefully that's the person get, that gets the mutt. So then the blast runner comes back to you. So totally makes sense. So you got a dragon there. You're you're feeling really good about that. Our next pack that we see, it looks like maybe your options are another scrapwork mutt. So maybe that. Maybe Monastery Swift Spear if you're interested in that. Or there's also a Mask of the Jade Crafter, which is a green card, but uh, it is a card you could put in your deck. It's the two mana artifact, pay X, tap sack it to make an XX golem, and it has unearth two and a green. Are you just windmill slamming like a mutt here, or did you have to think about it? So I think that the 
I, I picked the Mutt, but I thought pretty hard about taking the Mask of the Jade Crafter. I think that's a really good card. And I don't really have a second color at this point. Um, if, let's say, the Mutt weren't there, uh, I would probably take the Mask instead. But given that Mutt is so strong, I took the Mutt. And I think this pick makes kind of a lot of sense, too, because it kind of is at the point in the draft where you're kind of shaping your picks around what you do have and what you still need. And like you said, you still kind of need two drops. That's why you took that Rock Hunter before. And you do have some of these like sacrifice synergies with the Strong Bulls and the Goblin Blast Runner, but not like too much to sacrifice. So it's like Mutt actually is so much better with the Strong Bull Blast Runner plan than the Mask of the Jade Crafter is because you could sac- sacrifice the Mutt and turn everything online. But like the Mask of the Jade Crafter, yeah, it can sacrifice to the Blast Runner, but you don't really want to sacrifice your creature to the Strong Bulls. So I think it's just like those little micro synergies too is like a way you can get a lot of edges in this format as well. So I agree with you. I think the Mutt pick is really, really good here. Again, you're, you're probably feeling pumped going into this next pick. You're looking for all the red cards, and you see a sibling rivalry. So that's the only red card in the pack. So maybe you're thinking about that. Your other options, we did have some blue cards before, so maybe Mightstone's animation. That's the three blue enchantment that you draw a card, chance an artifact, and that becomes a 4-4. So that's an option, and I think that's about it. The rest of the pack really doesn't apply to you. So there's a Mightstone's animation and sibling rivalry. So how are you doing with this pick? So this is not uh, ideal, obviously. Um, the other card that I'll note is the Transborgant Altar, which I think is is okay. It doesn't really fit with what I have so far, but it's a powerful card. I think here, I just went based on power level, and I chose the Mightstones animation. Sibling Rivalry is, is not a card that I want to play unless I have like really, really strong uh, sacrifice synergies, or it's usually just a sideboard card. So I took the Mightstone's animation on power level because I think that where it does work out well with what I have so far if I do play blue. Yeah, it works with what you have. And then are you starting to think like, obviously it's just one data point, but you're like, maybe I'm going to bring back in this stern lesson. Maybe I'm going to start. Exactly. Like going down this blue red road. Okay, got it. Okay, so our next pick then, we have another strong bull. So you have two of them already. So maybe we're going strong bull road again, but you actually have a lot of options here. So you have the strong bull. If you need two drops, there's a Mine Worker, the two mana two one. Not a great card, but maybe you need it. There's the Energy Refractor artifact that helps filter your mana. There's an Elsewhere Flask that helps you, you know, with your mana if you want to splash something. And then in blue also, there's a Thopter Mechanic, which is the one blue two one that grows when you draw your second card. And when it dies, you get a one one flyer. So it looks like, like you have a ton of options here. So how are you thinking through that? This was uh, a tank pick. I think that... The Opera Mechanic is really, really good. I'm not solidly in blue yet, but if I am bl- if I play blue, then I really love this card. Strong Bull works really well with what I have so far in red, and I'm 100% playing it. The Elsewhere Flask is also pretty good, but I already have kind of a lot of... my A few of my... Uh, I guess I don't have very many two-drops, and what I do have don't affect the board too much. So... I went to the final second and I picked the Strong Bull. I'm not sure if that's correct. I could see arguments for the Flask or for Mechanic or for... I Yeah, I think Flask is definitely better than Refractor here because of the sacrifice synergies, but... Yeah, I, I, I think you have a good point about like Flask not affecting the board and like 
yeah, you can sacrifice it and have some synergies and it combos with the Might Snow's animation. But I think at the end of the day, like you're saying, you're kind of trying to affect the board. So for me, it's, it's sort of what you were thinking about where it comes down to the creatures. Is there any so you it looks like so you went with the strong bowl based on like just getting the animation and then like red being really dry beforehand. It's kind of interesting because red was so open pack one. So you're hoping that like red continues to be open. But then is there any consideration to taking Thopter mechanic just in case like things go poorly? Um, I guess that that kind of that's what I would be thinking. Like, do I want to take the mechanic versus the strong bowl there? It's a tough pick for sure. Yeah, I think that Thopter mechanic is probably the right pick just subjectively. And I'm okay with that. I I had a really hard time with this one and I I just I just went with the strong bowl. I it, you know, it wasn't really a consideration uh, at that point that uh red wasn't open. So it just I mean, there are plenty of packs where there's only one or maybe no playable cards of a specific color, so I wasn't really worried about that. Yeah, the only reason I'm saying that like it looks like maybe red isn't as open is that we've had multiple packs in a row and obviously like um, it's pick four. So it could be that like the, like you're saying, those few other packs were just really shallow in red. So we won't really know that until like the next few picks. But I think I mean, totally defensible to take Stronghold here. Unfortunately, we get to your next pack and there's literally no red cards. So that's kind of like the warning bells going off. You're like, this sucks. <laughs> but it looks like there's a combat courier. It's like definitely the best card in the pack for you. So you take a combat courier. Good to get on board early with that. If we're going blue red, it's a great card. So you have that. So going to pick six, it looks like we have a few options again. There's another Mishra's Juggernaut you might be interested in. And then there's a Springleaf Drum on one mana, which can maybe help us splash. Uh, so again, I think you were deciding between like, you know, red versus red blue before. So you could go down the Juggernaut road. You could take the the drum. And I, ha- I guess I haven't heard you talk about Springleaf Drum yet. So how do you feel about that card? I think it's pretty good. I think you just have to treat it as a land. And I have a lot of, because I already have the three strong bulls and I have Mightstone's animation potentially. It's just a mana source with a lot of upside in this deck, I think. So it was a pretty easy pick for me to take the drum and it lets me be a little more ambitious with my uh, mana base. So I'm probably going to play both the Combat Courier and the Transmorgan crown no matter what and that allows me to either get a cheaper equip cost or an unearth activation out of courier off of the spring leaf drum in addition to just being a solid card so i took that yep seems like a, a great pick I, I like your explanation on that that's awesome pick seven really like looks like no cards for you unfortunately although maybe i'm so you take a mishra's onslaught it's the three red instant that makes two one ones or pumps your whole team I have personally not thought this card's very good, but maybe you have different experiences. So I've had good experiences with it in a single red-white deck that uh-huh. had a had just a bunch of scrapwork, mutts, and cohorts. the The main mode to keep in mind is the two one one creatures. In this case, I thought it might be an, an okay sideboard card if I was in a matchup where the board was getting really stalled. And also, like, my options here are not good. There's a defense grid, which is potentially a sideboard card. I, Other than that, I didn't really think that the cards were very playable. So, 
Oh, yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's basically the only card you can take. I was just curious about like your experiences with the card. And I think with the strong bowls, when you make the one ones, they are artifacts. You're able to like maybe surprise some damage out of nowhere or keep a strong bowl alive and, and keep, you know, damaging your opponent and go wide. So it definitely I can see the applications. I've been really impressed with the card with third path iconoclast because it allows you to go wide or it gives you a payoff for going wide. But other than that, I haven't really like seen it do a lot of work so i'm glad to hear you're saying hey you've seen it in red white be pretty good yeah the red white deck if you get enough of the cohorts in particular it's really hard for your opponent to attack into you Mm -hmm. and you can just get a huge board and take really really big advantage of onslaught uh and i had really good experiences with that in that specific deck so i took it uh speculatively thinking that there was some plausible chance for me to get some value out of it compared to the rest of the cards, which we're not looking very good. Got it, got it. Okay, going to pick eight, you could take another Mishra's Onslaught. You could take a Suchi Cave Guard, our, our eight mana 8-8 eight, eight friend from the overrated cards from earlier. Or you could take a Tomical Scrapsmith, which is the uh, two and a red 2-1 that when it comes into play, you mill and you can get an artifact or a counter. So you're deciding between those. You went with... Scrapsmith. I, I mean, I don't think I'm going to play this card. I think it's very good. But there's nothing in this pack for me. I'm definitely not playing an 8-drop. And You're not playing an 8-drop. You don't want another Onslaught. So you take this card that maybe, like, if pack 3 goes a certain way, you might get a bazillion artifacts that you could put in your deck. And that's kind of like, I think that's a great pick because a lot of players will look at their, their pile here and say, like, I have four artifacts. The Scrapsmith's no good. But if you take it here, you don't know what pack 3 is going to bring you. Maybe there's some weird world where you actually get there on it. So love it. Um, fantastic. And there's a better chance that I play Scrapsmith than a second Onslaught. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, so going on the wheel, you get an Arrow Marshal on the wheel. Maybe just like two drop, keep your aggression up. Sadly, did not wheel the Blast Runner or the Mutt. So that's unfortunate. But you take your two drop. You get another two drop with a Mine Worker. So that's feeling solid. From there, <laughs> not a whole lot. Looks like you took, um, I guess this is kind of interesting. Pick 12, you took Demolition Field over Urza's Rebuff. So Demolition Field, the land that blows up non-basics, and the Urza's Rebuff's that counterspell. Were you thinking about the counterspell at all? No, I, I think that uh, at this point, I'm going to have, a, at most, a pretty light amount of uh, blue mana. Mm-hmm. And the sacrifice trigger on Demolition Field is actually sometimes relevant. Oh, okay. So if they have one of the rare non-basics, you can use it to get rid of a pesky land Yeah, and uh, trigger the Blast Runner sacrifice. Okay, I hadn't even thought of that. So yeah, this I'm glad I asked. Genius to your play on your part. So nicely done. And then you end up with a Goblin Firebomb, sure. And a couple other cards you're not going to play. I got a Defense Grid last pick. Yeah, Defense Grid. That's not actually a card, is it? Or is it? Oh, I, I actually did bring this in as a sideboard card against my like instant speed opponent in the final round. Oh, okay. So defense grid is a two mana artifact and each spell costs three more to cast except during its controller's turn. So all instants basically cost three, three more uh, for people. And uh, yeah, that makes sense. If your opponent's reacting to everything you do, make them play at sorcery speed. So that's kind of cool. So I'm not going to read every single card um, right now, but we have two, like looks like two creatures on one mana like four two drops and about three or four three drops. And then we have some of the key cards we're looking at. We got that Springleaf drum we picked up. We have the Bitter Reunion, Excavation Explosion, 
We have the dragon. So we have a little bit of removal, but maybe you're looking for more going to pack three. And then sort of your heavy hitters, you've got Mightstone's animation and Mishra's Juggernaut. So, I mean, the deck looks pretty well-rounded going to pack three, and you're probably just looking maybe, what, for, like, more removal, a few more, what, better two drops. I'm not sure exactly. So the main things that I'm worried about are two drops and removal. So pretty early on, I took a Strong Bull over a um, Unleashed Shell. Mm -hmm. And if I were able to magically go back, I would happily have the Unleashed Shell instead, Uh, given that I'm pretty heavy on threes and I'm pretty light on removal. And I'm also really light on the two drops. Like I have a Mind Worker and an Air Marshal currently in my two drop slot, and I would rather not play those. Got it. Okay, so I think that's a great, like this is a really good skill that you want to develop. And it sounds like you were really thinking about this is awesome. Like you're looking at your deck and at the end of every pack going to the next pack is like, what am I looking for? Like, what am I trying to identify? Because at least then you can kind of like figure out what to look for rather than just being overloaded with all these options. So going to pack three, it looks like if you're looking for two drops, there's another rock hunter. So you could take that. If you're looking for like power, there's a, another Mightstones animation. And then there is a mythic rare in the pack, which is kind of exciting. There's Gix, Yogmoth Praetor, the 3-3 that draws you a bunch of cards and does all these crazy things. So I think those are the cards you might be deciding between. So how, what was that decision process then based on what you were just saying? So the two cards that I'm really looking at here are the Mightstones animation, uh, which is really solid, and the Gix, Yogmoth Praetor, which is a pretty ridiculous card. I don't know if you played with it or against it, but it can just take the game over by itself as long as you're playing a proactive deck. And after pack two, I'm not feeling all that great about where I am. Mm -hmm. And... So I decided to gamble and take the Gix, given that this is, you really need to go 3-1 in order to, I mean, there are prizes for uh, one and two wins, but you really want it to be 3-1 or Uh 4-0. So I felt like it was a good opportunity to gamble on a really high upside. Right. You're you're giving up on a a common Mightstones animation, which would be good, but you don't know, like, the way this pack like this draft has gone has been kind of wonky where it's like certain colors that are open keep shifting so you're hoping that like maybe it's shifting where black ends up open and i think that's kind of what's been happening around you to your neighbors because we obviously we can't like magically see their drafts but it's like pack one mono red was totally open for you but if someone opened up like the another tyrant of care ridges near you then maybe they go into red so it sort of seems like everyone's kind of like fluctuating so you're hoping that maybe someone's more monocolored and you can get into the black uh red black deck from here so yeah that makes sense um high upside cards it's it's worth it especially if you're not giving up too much in which in this case you weren't giving up too much so next pack you're really hoping for some removal you see an unleash shell so that's awesome so that's pretty great the only other thing i was considering was the evolving wilds just because i'm kind of ex- i just took a double black card and I'm expecting my mana base to be a little shaky, but I really need removal, so I took the enemy shell. Yeah, so that's interesting that you're saying Evolving Wilds. Um, based on your last discussion with the Gix, are you like ever considering playing actual three colors, or is it just like, if black's open, I'll be red-black? If black's open, I'll be red-black, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I got it. But then you're still like base red, so the Evolving Wilds helps because you're trying to splash a double black card, and you're almost mono-red deck. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay, Unleash Shell, though, because you do really want that removal. 
When we look at this next pack, it looks like, again, not great red cards. The only red card is Conscripted Infantry. I guess there's a Blitz Automaton too, but you're not a huge fan of that. Conscripted Infantry can be good with Sacrifice cards, but I found it's kind of like mediocre otherwise, which I assume you agree. Yeah, I, it's kind of annoying as a blocker, mm -hmm. and that's basically it. I've never played with it, and I've been annoyed with it on the other side of the battlefield. Yeah, it's an okay card, but it's not like anything to write home about. But So you're like, okay, the red cards aren't great here, but there is quite a few black cards or black adjacent cards. So we have Thraxodemon, we have Scrapwork Rager, we have Power Stone Fracture. All three of those, I think, are pretty good. There's a Goring Warplow as well. But if you wanted to go back to the blue side, there's the, the weak stone subjugation because you were talking about how you wanted a removal. So that's there as well. So this is actually a pretty interesting pick, I would say. You know, I didn't actually think about the weak stone subjugation in the moment. It's not a card that I like very much. And I don't know if I've ever actually played with it. It's been fine against me, but mm -hmm. it's not terribly impressive. Like, I think that uh, Bubble Snare was a lot better in Zendikar Rising because of the kicker synergies, but... That's that's sort of what I think people are comparing it to. Scrapwork Rager is the card that I went with, um, in part because I'm just going to play it no matter what. It's a really solid card. I'm, it's 100% going in my deck, and I think that like power level, it's probably about as good as the Power Stone Fracture. I would guess better than the Weak Stone Subjugation, but like I said, I've ac I haven't actually played with it. Evangel of Synthesis, of course, would be excellent if I were full three colors, but uh, that was not a real consideration for me. Yeah, I didn't mention that card because it's like you're so deep in red that I don't think you're going to play a blue black gold card. But I like your I like your reasoning on Scrapwork Rager. I don't know if it's like the strongest card, but I like this idea that like you it's pack three, but somehow we still don't know exactly where we are. So you want to pick a card that's going to make your deck and it does synergize pretty well with like whatever deck you end up with because, you know, you got sacrifice synergies with the strong bowl for the scrapwork rager, draw some cards, it's an artifact, does all those things. So, yeah, I, I like that as a nice hedge in whatever direction you end up in. Going to our pick four, then you've got, I guess, another Mishra's Juggernaut you could pick up. We've seen a lot of those. We just talked about Weakstone Subjugation. You're not a huge fan, so probably not picking that. And then I guess there's two uncommons, which are kind of interesting here. There's Elsewhere Flask, which kind of smooths out your mana, sacrifice synergies, artifact for you. A card that I'm actually pretty high on is Involuntary Cooldown, which is also in the pack. It's the three blue, and it locks down two creatures for two turns. I think when you're aggressive, it can just like close the door on certain games. But it looks like here you were going with the Elsewhere Flask. Yeah, I like we, I have the double black gigs, mm -hmm. and the Elsewhere Flask can help me splash that a little more easily. And it's just a low opportunity cost cantrip. I've not played with or against Involuntary Cooldown. It's obviously a powerful card, but I don't have a great experience. I don't have any experience with it. Butcher is not right for the stack, I don't think. So I, I think the second best card for me is probably the Juggernaut which is reasonably likely to wheel anyway, because it's not a high priority. Yeah, I, I like this Elsewhere Flask pickup. It, again, it kind of goes into your logic with the Scrapwork Rager. It's going to make your deck no matter what. It's good with Mightstone's animation. It's good with your Sacrifice Energy. If you play Gix, it's great. So it kind of just mm -hmm. totally fits. So that's pretty solid here. So rounding out the curve here, we got a few more picks. There's another Pendragon Strongbow in this pack you could go with. Yet another Misha's Juggernaut. It's basically in every pack. 
there's the another Mightstones animation if you want to kind of go more artifacty still. And then there's a I guess Falaji Dragon Engine, which we talked about sort of how we feel about that card. The eight mana five five prototype. I think the rare is not great, but I think I've seen some people play it. The mechanized warfare, which is the one red red, your red and artifact sources deal an extra damage. Basically, is that a card you were thinking about? Yeah. So, I, so I took the Pendragon uh, Strongbull here in part because I, I felt like this was my entire deck. Uh, it was just a strong bull deck at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, Mechanized Warfare doesn't really work in the vast majority of even red decks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be pretty solid in mine. Uh, so I was hoping to get that back. Um, getting two damage off of all of the strong bull activations is really strong. And I have a lot of like little pesky things. Yeah, it is really good with Strongbull, you're right. And it makes the Mishra's Onslaught like way better because they're kind of two ones. It's good with only Shell. So I don't know, maybe I'm too low on Mechanized Warfare. Maybe in a mostly red deck, it's actually really good. But okay, so you went with the Strongbull here. You have plenty of those at this point. This is pretty interesting. So pick six, you actually have a lot of options. You have, if you're still going blue, you've got Stern Lesson and Koilos Rock. Um, so both those might make your deck. There's Mineworker if you want another two, or Dwarven Forge Chanter if you want another two. Or if you want the more like um, combo-y element, if you end up in red-black, there's a Clay Revenant, which can go with all your Strong Bulls. So I think like this actually is like a super interesting pick and probably is like the defining pick for which way you want to go in the draft, because you're not sure up to that point. So, so what are you thinking at this point? So at this point, I'm thinking that uh, Stern Lesson is the best card in the pack but I don't want to be blue. I want to really push forward with my Gix and kind of hope for the best with the higher power level card. I think that options for me here are the Dwarven Forge Chanter and the Clay Revenant. I'm not a big fan of the Dwarven Forge Chanter. I want to be pretty proactive and this does not attack well. Uh, the Clay Revenant obviously doesn't attack very well either, but it has a lot of synergy with uh, the Strong Bulls. So that's what I ended up going with. And hopefully you're like in that red-black lane now. Um, but even if you're not, you could play it in in a different deck too. I'm pretty solid in red-black at this point mentally. Yeah, and it looks like you. S- <laughs> I'm, I'm following the 17 lands and your deck suddenly shifted from blue-red to red-black on the next pick. So that's kind of cool. Um, okay, so you're you're really into red-black at this point. Hopefully you're, you're going down that road. Pick seven, if you want it, there's another Mishra's Juggernaut. I'm not sure if you know that that card is in these packs. Um, but there's another one. <laughs> there's another Clay Revenant, a Blitz Automaton, or a Bitter Reunion. I think a lot of great options here, actually. I don't think that there are a lot of great options. I, I picked... So there are some okay options. I think that... Uh, I I don't know why I put the Blitz Automaton here. I think that uh, all the other cards that are in consideration are probably better. Honestly, I think that the Bitter Reunion is probably the best card to take out of this pack um, maybe the juggernaut but i took the automaton which does not fit very well with what i'm doing and i'm kind of overloaded on threes anyway yeah i like i like bitter reunion here i think you were mentioning that it is a little awkward because you don't really want to play bitter reunion on two especially in a deck looking to play gix you do want something to just like smooth out your draws and i think any deck that does have powerful cards like you know gix like the like the dragon 
I think Bitter Union does get quite a bit better in because you just get get rid of your bad cards, get to your good cards. Yeah. So I agree with you. It's probably like the best pick here. But regardless, it's interesting to see like even this late, there was some interesting options. Okay, so rounding out the pack. Actually, this is another interesting option. So pick eight, you are deciding between it looks like Power Stone Fracture and Combat Courier. Yeah, I think the Combat Courier is just a solid card. And even though I don't expect to be blue, Mm -hmm. I still can splash it with the spring leaf drum and other things potentially. So I'm not a huge fan of power stone fracture. I mean, looking back, I think that there's a decent argument to be made that power stone fracture is the better option here, but I also don't have a ton of stuff that I can expect to sacrifice. I think you're right. And the more I look at it, I think combat courier is like pretty clearly the pick. It's just so good with like everything you're doing enables your spring leaf drum and sacrifice synergies. And I think your one and twos gain a lot of value just having Gix in your deck. So that's good. All right. Rounding out the pack, you ended up with another clay revenant, a supply drop, another the blitz automaton that wield a moment of defiance. And Ooh, you got the mechanized warfare back. You called it. Yeah. I was pretty excited by the mechanized warfare coming back. And it felt like my deck had uh, a little bit more going for it, mm-hmm. especially with the the strong bowl being such a good combo with it. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, and then, you, you know, your last pick arms race. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Maybe that card's good. I have not played it. and I have not seen it played against me. Oh, no, no, I'm just kidding. I did see a funny tweet of someone. I think it, uh, Ethan Sachs put Portal to Phyrexia into play off of it today. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess you could do that, but <laughs> there's like an eight drop with menace and unearth. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good with that. If you can slam them for eight and then you unearth it a few turns later, yeah. I, I can see it. But I, I think uh, arms race is narrow. Narrow. Yes, yes, definitely. OK, so uh, seems good. If I go to let's see, there's decks one, two or three here. I don't know which one you ended up with. Probably the last one. I think that I switched most rounds, um, just tweaks around the edges. So I I ended up as a base black red deck with a single island to unearth my combat couriers mm-hmm. on the splash in, in addition to the spring leaf drum. It just seemed like I wanted to be base red, so I had nine mountains. And I thought that I could get away with uh, six swamps and uh, the single island. My only actual black card is Gix, and black mana shows up a few other places uh, in the crown and in the uh, scrapwork rager. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that mana base. That's good. Yeah, I just wanted to get three blue sources to make it a little easier to get my combat courier going. Nice. So, I mean... Like you said, you're a little overloaded on threes, but you do have a like pretty good card quality. So like it, it, this deck, I feel like would be a total monster if you had a couple more two drops, but that kind of wasn't the way the draft went, or at least, you know, good ones. Uh, you had a bunch of mine workers you could play, but that card's not very good at being aggressive. Yeah, and actually, like if you look at deck two, um, I mm-hmm. switched out the, what did I, I switched out one of the three drops, I believe. One of the Blitz Automatons from Mine Worker. Got it. To go a little heavier on the twos. And then I ended up switching. Oh, no, deck three is my sideboard deck. 
deck three oh, okay. uh, has the defense grid for the final round where I was against a uh, very flash speed deck with like the Urza's Liberator and things like that. I think the the only card that I'm kind of disappointed isn't in your final deck is the uh, Mishra's Onslaught because <laughs> it's so sick with the Mechanized Warfare. As much as me like poo-pooing it earlier, <laughs> I think it's pretty sweet in your deck. But this deck's pretty, pretty awesome um, rather than list off you know all 24 spells that are here the red black deck with the blue what i'll do is i will post the links to it in the show notes so you can take a look at it at your leisure it has all the cards we talked about but you know highlights four strong bulls the gix the dragon some good removal combat couriers so it looks like you almost got to that three one goal that you're talking about but just not quite yeah in the first round i got destroyed by a really strong deck um, in the second round, I had uh, the joy of facing a 49-card deck somehow in the in day two of the Open, and I managed to win. Round three, I beat someone who had bad draws. So the 49-card the deck was actually really good. They had Gix's Command and double Skylash Spider, but oh, wow. they decided that they wanted to play extra cards for some reason. Yep, don't do that. Final round was pretty close. But in game three, my opponent just had uh, an early liberator and followed it up with some really strong spells, and I didn't really have a shot. So, got it. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. Like you were so close, and then, but that's just magic that happens. And I think you know you gave it a pretty good go here. I think uh, interesting draft. I think you had a lot of cool, uh, interesting decisions, and ended up with a pretty good final product. So, I definitely want to thank you, uh, Dan, for coming on here and taking the time to kind of share your draft with the audience. Um, uh, you know, fantastic job overall. You almost almost got to that draft too. Definitely next time, uh, be Rooney for, for you on that. And then you're, I'm trying to make sense. So you're AKA... D-A-F-R-K-3-I-N. It, it doesn't make any sense because I was trying to sort of copy a thing that I saw my uncle do. And the way that my uncle did it made sense in a way that was fine for him. But I just added Dan into the mix and in a way that does not make sense. I love it. You're Dan and you're... Yeah, exactly. Da- it does not make sense. It's something that a 12-year-old did. So if you don't know how to spell what I just said, uh, it'll be in the show notes as well. Um, in case you ever want to find if you're playing Dan on online on MTGO yep. or I assume it's on Arena too. So uh, yep. And uh, other than that, uh, I do want to give a shout out to our Adaptier patron, uh, Marius. Thanks for your continued support. And then, of course, all my uh, patrons uh, as well. And then any closing words, Dan, before we wrap it up here? Thanks for having me on. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. The Open was a blast. It's always fun to play uh, high pressure magic. And I'm not a big fan of the change in the structure, but I think that people are generally happier with it. So um, hopefully they'll keep uh, hosting draft opens. Nice. Well, couldn't have said it any better. Thanks again, Dan. And uh, thank you everyone for listening and see you next time on the 40 Card College podcast.